You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And today we have a special guest to interview. That um, Josh, how did you how did you get in contact with us again? I I'm not sure. He, he's the head of social media. <laughs> he does all the media. I do all the producing, basically. Yeah, just some of the podcast groups on Facebook. Okay, okay. Well, we're glad you did. Today we are talking to Christina Bergling, horror author. How you doing tonight, Christina? <laughs> We're doing good. We're doing good. We um, so tonight we're. I, I would love to hear a little bit about you know your career as an author and how that works because I myself am working on a story of of sorts. I I I know in your in your bio it said you've been you've wanted to be a writer since like the age of four, right? So very long time. Well, I never actually put anything to paper until about six years ago. I started, I got an idea for a story. I was like, well, I don't know how to write a screenplay. I guess I'll write it like a novel. And people were like, oh, this is good. Just, just keep writing it like this. Okay, I'll do that. But um, we're also going to be counting down our top five favorite Stephen King horror movie adaptations. This was a fun list to put together. See, see, Josh didn't get the memo. Christine and I were both repping, <laughs> repping the king. <laughs> well, in Monster Squad, one kid wears Stephen King rule shirt, so oh, I'll okay, I'll find he'll a find a way to connect anything. I swear he will. In a couple of degrees of separation, it's been. <laughs> That's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but this is six degrees of Stephen King. Exactly. Uh, so, I'd I, like I said, I'd love to hear more about your um your your career as a writer. Like, how did you get started? How did you you know, I've always wondered, especially nowadays, how publishing works, because I know a lot of people self-publish. There are options for the, for that particular route. Just tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I have wanted to write since I was a kid. I have been writing since I was a kid. I started sort of small publishing in college, like literary magazines and online zines. As those were starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I started my career in tech and kind of got distracted and it wasn't until I went to Iraq for work and came back that I had my idea for savages that I was really driven to write a whole like book length mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. and I ended up finding a writing contest where you submitted your book and if you placed you got a publishing contract and that's how savages got published cool and then that publisher went under, so it's now republished with a different publisher. So um, publishing is really different than it was when I was dreaming about being an author and like, mm -hmm. where you would get an agent and you would go to a big publishing house. And now it's there's a spectrum of options. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I don't self-publish. I don't work with like random house or mm -hmm. penguin like some massive publisher. I tend to work with smaller indie publishers that fall somewhere on the scale in between. Mm -hmm. Whereas they're handling the editing, the formatting, the cover. They're dealing with Amazon, 
all the printing of the books and all of that. Right. But I still have to do most of the legwork, marketing and promotion wise. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the middle of the track. Okay. Yeah, because I had looked at a, um, actually one of the little bookstores we have here in town offers a uh, publishing option. But when I was looking at their options, like basically I have to, you know, I have to pay them to print the books and then I have to market the books and sell the books all myself. Like that seems like a lot for what I'm paying you uh, or for what I would be paying you. <laughs> I, I draw the line if I have to pay to get published. Mm-hmm. Of short story submissions where you have to pay to be in an anthology and that's the line for me yeah that's um okay. i don't know that kind of takes the fun out of it doesn't it <laughs> I, mean, I publish for free just to get my name out there mm -hmm. but i i won't pay you <laughs> right publish. so i'll right. put you down the road to horror yes get down that i i kind of just came out this way <laughs> I don't know, like, I was always drawn to Halloween and, like, spooky stuff. I started in Goosebumps in elementary school, and then the to horror, I just gravitated towards it, and then my writing just went there. Like, I've always been really prone to nightmares, mm. and the best way to kind of deal with them was to write them out rather than let them stay in there. Interesting. Never heard him say that before. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the oddball out here because I did not grow up with a horror background. Horror movies were strictly <laughs> verboten in my household. Uh, if it wasn't animated, if it wasn't Disney, or if it wasn't something based on World War II, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Um, yeah, my dad <laughs> my dad didn't want me watching Scarface, but he'd let me watch Saving Private Ryan all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really late to the horror game. I mean... We'll talk about this later, but I was introduced to Stephen King through one movie at a very young age, and um, it wasn't until high school that I picked up one of his books. I think Firestarter was actually the first one that I read. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah, I was late to the horror game. Um, I grew up reading like um, Clive Cussler and um, Star Wars books, stuff like that. I'm a big sci-fi geek. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, you. Were, I was going to ask that question of what brought you to horror in the first place. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. I had another. <laughs> do you have another question for me? Like, well, I think about what I was about to ask. <laughs> I don't know what you were asked, but yeah, I'm. I'm a lot like you. I started with Goosebumps, oh. but it took me quite a while to get to Stephen King, though. For some reason, I don't know why. I just wasn't a big reader, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was just I, I read Goosebumps, but I didn't read a whole lot of other stuff. See, I I didn't read Goosebumps a lot. I think I read like one or two of those when I was a kid. But when I was in middle school, I got hooked on an author named Paul Zindel. Have you ever heard of him? I haven't. He he wrote like most of what he wrote were like creature features. Like the first one I I read because I love you know Jaws is like my, one of my all time favorite movies. The first one of his that I read was called Reef of Death. So of course I want to read something that's about monsters under the sea. But yeah, he, I mean, he wrote one, it was like, basically turned like Stonehenge into a monster location, basically. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I really enjoyed his books. And I guess maybe that's kind of how I got to, eventually, to Stephen King. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time before I read it. And really, it wasn't until just like the last five or six years that I really rediscovered my love of his books. Uh, he's got a writing style that's just unreal. Um, yeah. But it, you know, it was an amazing book. I tore through it in like three weeks. And that was a 1,500 page. That particular printing I had was like 1,500 pages. It's a massive uh, book. 
Yeah, it was. It really. I mean, it's basically two books in one. That's like right. why they made it into two movies, or a. How how long was the miniseries? Like four hours? I can't remember. A little over yeah. three hours. It's a long one. Yeah. It is. Oh yeah. It is a long one. I read that one years ago, so long ago that I don't really remember it now. So yeah. That's, I need to reread that one. Pretty sure I read Firestarter first, then I read The Shining. I always wanted to read Christine, but I didn't get a chance to until just a few years ago. Um, so, shall we get to our top five lists? Sure. All right. So, Christina, you are our guest of honor. I'll let you start off with your number five all-time favorite Stephen King film adaptation. So, I, I limited my list to only ones that I actually read the book. Ah! Me too. Because <laughs> I've seen a lot more of the movies mm-hmm. and the series. But number five would be Thinner, which is a terrible movie, but a good adaptation. I've heard of that one. That, I think that was on Watch Mojo's list of scary movies that aren't really scary. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and there's some parts in the book that were just so unnerving that they tried to capture in the movie and it didn't quite translate but since I had read the book, it still made my skin crawl. Uh-huh. Like, draw back to how I felt reading it. Like one guy gets covered in like sores and pimples and stuff. And it's like, I could still picture what I pictured when I read it. In my mind. Well, like <laughs> that, <laughs> that was kind of my experience with Gerald's game. See, I read, I read the book before I watched the movie. So by the end, when she finally escapes from her handcuff, I know what's about to happen. But when it finally happens on screen, I'm still going, oh, God. <laughs> that was... It's so visceral in the book that even though, like, the adaptation, it, it's gross and maybe a little traumatic, but the book was just paragraphs upon paragraphs of the... Uh, the, the uh, is it ungloving? Is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Sounds like a good word for yeah. it. Yeah. The technical term. Basically peeling her hand off. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh, you want to go with your number five? Uh, yeah, with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 15% and an audience score of only 30%. Like Christina said, it's a terrible movie. I thought I was going to be the only one with it, and I also chose Thinner. <laughs> now, that being said, <laughs> I do I am not familiar with the source material. I actually haven't read Thinner. I, I was like, I can't go by these guidelines because mine go more towards Stand By Me and Shawshank, and uh, we weren't going to... Those are fantastic, but they're not they're not on the horror side, so I I left those out. But yeah, I like thinner. I, I couldn't like you you say it's a good adaptation, so I have to go with that. I guess I saw it at the right age to where I still appreciate it even as a movie. I know it's not great, but it's <laughs> really creepy. Like the the curses are much more unnerving in the book. Okay. okay. I'll have to add that to my to read list. Yeah. So, for my number five, I'm sure you have a different version, and it's probably much higher on your list. I am specifically going with the 1997 miniseries adaptation of The Shining. Okay. Like I said, The Shining was one of the first Stephen King books I read, and I loved it. So I immediately rushed out and read the Stanley Kubrick, or watched the, uh, the Stanley Kubrick version. And I was very disappointed. Yes, if even even Stephen King was, I I can say I was disappointed because even he was. But looking back, I watched it again recently, and like if you if you remove from your mind that it's a Stephen King book and treat it like it's like it's its own personal entity, 
it's a rare, very good movie. I mean, Stanley Kubrick visually was just amazing. Um, I film is a terrible adaptation. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I was going for. So on to number four. What is your number four, Christina? I'm going to go with Misery, which is one of my favorite movies. That was um, a good one. But also how it's captured in season two of Castle Rock. Oh, I haven't watched I Castle haven't Rock watched yet. Castle I've been meaning to watch. So, so, the, so the Castle Rock does a better version of adapting it than the movie did? No, okay. but it does because Castle Rock kind of approaches misery from a prequel standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh. It is like her portrayal is spot on for a young Annie. Like it's, it's creepy. So the two just kind of, they go together perfectly. That's great. I'm going to have to read that one. Or watch that one. Read, watch Castle Rock. And I actually have not read Misery. That's why it's probably the only reason it's not on my list. It's one of, like, Stephen King's books where people are trapped places. Like, when we get farther up into the list. Like, those speak to me. Like, where the person is stuck somewhere alone. Like, trapped in a house with a crazy right. fan. Mm-hmm. Or, Do you ever do you ever have ever have like fears of you know fans meeting your fans or anything like that and they're like yeah, I'm your biggest fan or anything like that? I mean the internet makes interacting with your fans really weird sometimes. Like I've met people at like horror film festivals and they're like hey and they know lots of stuff about me and I'm like oh hi yeah I imagine that would be a little unnerving yes. I'm like, this is awesome and scary at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple emotions at the same time. All right, Josh, what you got? Yeah, for my number four with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 80% and an audience score of 61%, adapted from the short story 1408 with John Cusack and Sam Jackson. No, I, guess I, I think I read the story to this, but I honestly don't remember it that well, but I love the movie. I don't know how faithful it is. I can't speak on that. So, I showed my daughter that movie when she was seven. Oh, oh, <laughs> nice. Getting introduced very young to Mr. Yes. King. Yes, yeah. I, I think. Well, if you're going to introduce it to her, that's a good one to go with. You know. Yeah. I think she, she's very interested in horror, and I have to kind of pace her out. So, fourteen oh eight, nice like gateway. See, I'm not the only one that says gateway. The ga- you're right. You're right. <laughs> we we did an episode earlier, um, actually last October, on a it was a cartoon miniseries from Cartoon Network called Over the Garden Wall, and yes, it is a cartoon, but it is creepy. Like it is. even even his son, yep. you know his. You know, you're, how old was he? Like he nine? Was nine? He was nine when he watched it, and the parts of it still freaked him out. But if you watch it all, to, it's like. 10 episodes, I think. They're about 11 minutes long each. If you watch them all at once, it's kind of like watching a movie. I recommend it. Yep. I think it's on Hulu right now. If you, okay. if you, if you, if you so desire. Okay, so for my number four, having said that I didn't care, at first did not care for the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining, makes my number four a little strange because I'm going with 2019's Doctor Sleep with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 77 and an audience score of 89. I say this is probably one of the most faithful adaptations of a Stephen King book I have ever read. In fact, up until it gets to the very end, 
like maybe the last, like right before the final act of the film, it is just about identical. Like you, you, it, and and it's it's done so in a way that I mean to me, I thought I thought it was like just perfectly what I would have imagined in the book. But be, because it is not a sequel to Stephen King's book, it is a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's movie. They had to change the ending from the book. So, but still, I mean, you and McGregor was awesome as Danny Torrance. Like, have you have you read Doctor Sleep or have you seen it? Uh, it. Okay. When I watched it, I was like, I need to read the book because not reading the book, it felt like they shoved a bunch of stuff in the movie, like mm-hmm. the pace really, really fast. And I'm like, I can tell they're trying to put all of Stephen King in here because he puts a lot. In <laughs> yeah, he does. And I was like, what else is in here that I need to know because I haven't read the book? Right. Like I, he he has a way, an, an unbelievable way of of connecting his world all together because like when I when I read it for the first time and Dick Halloran a young Dick Halloran showed up I was like oh my gosh it's the guy from The Shining <laughs> and then as I, okay I read Cujo and then I read The Dead Zone because in, in Cujo they talk about the serial killer from The Dead Zone and by the time I got to The Dead Zone I'd forgotten about it but then at one point they start describing it, and I'm like it's the guy they were talking about from Cujo oh my gosh <laughs> it's just I love when he does stuff like that you gotta watch Castle Rock because I'm all I'm sure I would love Castle Rock. I just I, I have such a hard time getting myself to sit down and watch new TV shows. It, it's it's hard for me to do. Unless it's BoJack Horseman. Well, I I it took me a while to get into that too. A lot of people were saying I should watch BoJack Horseman. I was like, really? And then like after the first few episodes, I'm like, I'm hooked. I love this show. <laughs> so moving on to your number three, Christina. Uh, my number three is Pet Cemetery. Which, Which the version? Original. The original is my preference, but I do appreciate how they shocked you with the twist with the new one. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have something to say about that later. I'll I, say it now. If you're going to surprise them, that definitely surprised the shit out of me in the theater. <laughs> oh, see, well then you got lucky, because the problem was they gave that away in the trailer. They gave away the twist the that Gage didn't die... And they they killed off um, El, El Ellie um, Ellie yes. they killed off Ellie instead. We we both went to see a movie together, and they showed that trailer, and we both looked at each other like, I think it was us. Yeah, we went to see us, and we were both like, Fuck. yeah, because <laughs> they the trailer, it was great. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm that's what that's one of the things I have to say about that. But um, we, we can we can get to that later. Um, Josh, what is what is your number three? Coming in with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 90% and an audience score of 89%. You already had it. Misery. I put it on here too. It's, we're having similar lists here. Misery loves company. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think there's much more to be said. You can go ahead. Damn Adam. good movie. So yeah. for my number three, I chose the 2019 Pet Cemetery. Even though they spoiled that ending, just having Ellie come back to life, you know, a little, you know, not, not, not a toddler, but a, a little girl who's, you know, cognitive, has enough cognizance, cognizance, if I can talk right, has the ability to actually think, you know, should I be alive right now? I remember being dead. You know, that was, that was so much creepier than Gage ever was. And 
if they, again, if they had not given that away in the trailer, this movie would probably be higher on my list. It's a terrible marketing. Yes. And, and, you, and you said in a, in a previous episode that the people who made the trailer, like the director's like, well, we're not making this for people who were fans of the original. It's like, but fans of the original are going to want to see it. And even if they're not, that still happens an hour into the yeah. movie. Why would you give away something that, yeah, that far that's into a, your movie? And then in the movie, they still play it up like Gage is going to get killed anyway. So. Exactly. Like, my jaw just dropped. Because I was like, oh my god, it's not the baby. What is happening? <laughs> That would have been my experience. That would have been my same uh, experience. So yes, had it not been for that, 2019's Pet Cemetery would be it, an epically good movie. Yeah, it would have made my list if it hadn't been for that. So. <laughs> All right, so moving on to your number two, Christina. My number two is It, and I go with the chapter one of the new one. However, I do like all of them. Because the original miniseries picked out such different pieces of the book than the newer movies. Mm -hmm. Like, the house on Neibolt Street didn't even come up, really, in nope. the original. Nope. And then they lived in it in the second set of yeah. adaptations. So, they're almost like completely separate approaches to the book. Mm -hmm. So, all three, with chapter one being my favorite. Good choice. Oh yeah, well, with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 85% and an audience score of 93%, much higher than your version, this is the Stanley Kubrick Shining. Now, my version of The Shining didn't even have a Rotten Tomatoes score, so give it a break. <laughs> it did have like a 6.1 on, on IMDb. Not terrible. Not terrible, but what do you have to I, say? Because, I, like you said, I guess because I haven't, I, well, I have now, but I hadn't read it when I seen the movie. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that stigma going in that I was expecting one thing and got something else. Right, so, right. Because That's I fair. saw the Kubrick version first, I love that version. That is fair. Now, my number three. Two. Oh, sorry, my number two. I can't, I can't talk and I can't count tonight. I think I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> my number two. I'm right there with you, Christina. It, the first chapter from 2017. Um... Yeah, the, the miniseries, Tim Curry's Pennywise is iconic, was a great role. But yeah, you're right. It was such a mishmash of things from the book that like were there and then weren't there. And what I liked so much about It Chapter One was that it was similar enough that you that you knew the story, you knew the world kind of, but there was also enough differences to make it its own story. Um, I love the amount of like Easter eggs and things in the background that if you if you're familiar with the book you're gonna be like oh I know what that is people who haven't read the book are gonna be completely out of it yeah we so. could bring up the turtle without it getting super weird and yes. we're not posing with the turtle but yes you know, hey, here's the turtle yep yeah when they said yeah <laughs> yeah when they're like hey there's a turtle over there I went oh a turtle you say <laughs> and then the, and then he had the little Lego turtle that was another thing they did a very good job of updating it. For you know, 1989 and modern times, I thought they did a great job for that. Um, all of the child actors did an amazing job, yeah. but oh my god, my man, yeah, such a freaking good job <laughs> as Pennywise. So I'm not. I'm. I'm just gonna say this again. You should watch Castle Rock. <laughs> oh, is he? Pennywise yeah. is in the third season. Is it Bill Skarsgård or is it a different? No, different. It's him in the first season. 
It's Bill Skarsgård. I don't know if he's Pennywise. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, it, I can't tell you. Yeah. Oh, it would be a spoiler, yeah. Okay, so, moving on. The moment everyone has all been waiting for. Our number one favorite Stephen King film adaptation. Take it away, Christine. Mine's Gerald's Game, because that's my favorite Stephen King book. Oh. Didn't see that one coming. But that was very good. Yes. Like I said, the film adaptation. I, I loved how it, it stayed pretty faithful to the book, too. Like, even up to the, the, the Moonlight Man part and all that. I thought that was great. And they managed to splice that in while still keeping it grounded in just the practical part. Right. For, mm-hmm. Like, you are stuck to a bed. How do you get out of here? It's a very practical problem with this whole supernatural layer. Yeah. And they be able to keep the both of them the way they're done in the book mm-hmm. yeah i thought thought that was very good josh you're number one yeah my number one you guys have already talked about it it chapter one when that thing came out i was in love immediately like the miniseries is good i love tim curry in it i don't necessarily love everything else and it's the same reason why i leave it chapter two off when they get to be adults it just slows it down for me so the fact that this all focuses on the kids I love coming-of-age stories, and that's what this is, basically. So, yeah. For me, It Chapter 1. My problem with with It Chapter 2 was how much they changed. And how much they... Like, what they changed from the book to the movie. And, you know, like, the, this, the character of, of, of Audra was not even in... Was, like, not even in Chapter 2, except for, like, in the very beginning. Like, she even had more of, a, more of an appearance in the, the miniseries. Um... And uh, what was what was oh the abusive husband Tom? I think uh, so. Yeah, I think it was Tom. I think it was Tom. Yeah, like like he really got his comeuppance in the book, but never happened in the movie. No. So I really wanted that to happen. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it chapter one all around fantastic movie. So my number one, it is certainly not the one with the highest Rotten Tomato score. It's not even probably his most famous book. It's one of it's probably one of his good. But, most more famous books but from 1983 a 19 uh yeah 1983 with a rotten tomato critic score of 69 and an audience score of 63 directed by the legendary john carpenter if i ever won the lottery the first thing i would buy is a 1958 plymouth fury because my number one all-time favorite stephen king movie is christine this was my gateway to stephen king my dad told me, I, mean, I think my dad read the book at one time and then he told me about the movie about a car that had a mind of its own and was evil. And I was just like, whoa. And like, he he actually rented it from, from Blockbuster or from someplace and he, he would not let me watch the whole thing. He would only let me watch certain parts of it. But that only made me want to see it more. Right. I'm like, this is one that I almost wish they would remake because in the, you know, I, I was amazed at how how similar the book was to the movie, but at the same time, there were still differences. And I found out that Stephen King was actually still finishing the book as they were making the movie. Yep. I did not know that. But, um, like, a lot of the kills, a lot of the deaths in the book are way more extravagant and explosive than they were in in uh, in the movie. Like, um, his Arnie's boss. Um, I forget his name. Yeah. I forget his name. Not right off the top. But like he gets squished by his by his car seat in the movie. He gets squished up against the like that's not very exciting. In the book, Christine comes into his house and chases him up the stairs. <laughs> I would love to see that on a movie. I would freaking love that. So you'd almost have to set it st- 
still in the 80s? Because if they did it present time, the computer it would be computer driven. Yeah, like she would still have to be like a 58 Plymouth Fury, in right. my opinion. You could not make her a different car. Like Stephen King chose that car because he felt like it was a forgotten car. It even had the name Fury. He had Fury in the name. That was the name. And he just thought that sounded like an angry car. <laughs> so I... Very fitting. Very, very fitting indeed. I will say... I was going to put Sleepwalkers on this list, but he only wrote the screenplay. It right. wasn't actually based off a book. Otherwise, Sleepwalkers definitely makes my list. <laughs> All day, every day. You, you probably don't know this about me, but I'm a big cat person. So he comes to me one day and like, Adam, you got a, I got a Stephen King movie you got to watch. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, cat saved the day. Yes. I love <laughs> Clovis. Clovis, yes. Clovis. Sheriff Clovis, or Deputy Clovis. <laughs> oh, man, that was a great movie. I, I wanted to put Maximum Overdrive on my list, but I haven't read Trucks. So that's the only reason it's not on here. Otherwise, it would probably be my, my maybe my number two. I don't know. Just, just that scene where that woman comes out of the diner yelling, We made you! Like, that's just Oscar-worthy. How did this film not win an Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is going to wrap up our Stephen King top five. Christina, do you have any uh, social media you like people to follow you on? I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. Uh, you can find everything off of ChristinaBergling.com. Okay, ChristinaBergling.com. Very good. I'll have to, I'm going to have to check out some of your books, too. Like I'm going to have to. I'm going to get them in print because I'm, I'm old school and I don't like digitally reading like on my phone or tablet yeah like I if i can't get if i can't get an audio book I, I do listen to a lot of audio books because of my job but um if i can't get it on audio i don't want to read it on a screen so yeah have to get them well, in print audio, so you can have both ways. oh cool very good very good and i'm also a voice actor too so i'll get to critique the uh the uh the read of it as well <laughs> <laughs> like 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 when i when i actually listened to the dead zone and um James Franco was the narrator. Now, sometimes sometimes celebrities can do a good job. This was not one of those times. <laughs> he Half the time, he sounded almost like his Tommy Wiseau character from The Room. Oh, boy. It, it, was, it, was, it was like putting me to sleep. Like, dude, you're putting me to sleep in a Stephen King book. How do you do that? <sighs> well, as always, you can follow us on all the socials as well. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We'll have links to all of those or a link to our link tree down at the bottom. But, um, Christina, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I really enjoyed hearing about your, your journey as an author. And like I said, I want to read some of your books. And you have great taste in Stephen King movies. I will say that much. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. It was fun. But until next time, everyone, I'm Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to go to bed. Dear God in heaven. I can edit that out. <laughs> never um, done that. I've never done that. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was just thinking. Okay, until next time, everyone. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And well, always remember whether you are in your car or in your theater. You're probably not in your theater. You're probably on your couch watching something. Always check your blind spots. You guys stay healthy, stay safe, and we will see you next time.